Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you bring in more revenue with less effort. My name is Geraldine Carter. Today, I want to talk with you about time and how you relate to time, how you use your time, how you burn time, and how you create time or don't create time. If you don't give attention to what you choose to do with your time, chances are good that you won't have as much of it as you would like. You spend more time at your desk than you want and you don't get done what you hope to get done in the time that you want. What we see in the accounting space is plenty of CPAs working seven days a week and lots of CPAs working six days a week as well. That kind of feels like average or typical or normal to expect during tax season. Five days a week, though, during tax season feels like, how did that CPA land such a cushy job? It seems unrealistic. Like, that's not possible. That's not what you do during tax season. I'm talking to you about this today and this week especially, because last week I was listening to a thought leader in the accounting space, an industry titan, if you will, whose publication you might subscribe to, you know it, you might receive it at your doorstep, doesn't matter. And he was talking about what CPAs can do to make their accounting practices better. And one of the things that he said, one of his suggestions was to stop talking about how many hours a week you work, to stop talking about how hard it is, to stop talking about how you never see your family, except for maybe over the summer, to stop talking about it because... It's making the profession look bad and driving people away. And I thought, I cannot believe that this thought leader is telling his people to stop complaining and telling people how hard they work. And I can't believe that not talking about it is somehow his idea of a solution. And what I didn't hear was any mention of actually trying to address the problem of CPAs working long hours. I didn't hear him make any mention of thinking about solutions, of thinking about how this might get addressed, of what possible solutions might be, how it could possibly be improved, or that he might be gathering minds to address the issue. Nowhere was there even any mention of giving consideration to the solution. Similarly, there was another thought leader on another podcast that I was listening to that surely you've heard of, you might listen to it or not, again, doesn't matter, but he said, a lot of accountants had their best year ever in 2022. Yeah, they're overworked and stressed, but still they had their best year ever. And I thought, how can it possibly be a best year if you're overworked and stressed? It's comments like these. Let's pull the wool over our eyes rather than solve the problem 
or it's just a fact that CPAs are overworked and stressed. That's just the way things are in the industry. It's comments like these, big and small, that motivate me to turn over every possible stone for you to help you get down to a 40-hour work week during tax season and eventually a 25-hour work week during tax season and eventually a five-hour work week during tax season. And I know this is like blasphemy in the accounting space to think that you could possibly work a 40-hour or 25-hour work week during tax season, but we know it's possible because money doesn't come from hours spent at your desk doing work for clients. Money comes from creating value for your clients. So the challenge is simple. Create the most possible value for your clients in the least amount of time, and then figure out how to manage your mind and your calendar along the way. That's all. And of course, some tactics help. So I have seven tactics today to help you do those things. Namely, manage your mind along the way. The first and most important thing to know about time is that it's relative. It's not something that we experience directly. We perceive it through our minds. To paraphrase Einstein, he said, a minute with your hand on a hot stove feels like an hour. An hour holding the hand of a new romance feels like a minute. That's relativity. How you experience time is totally relative to how much you are or are not enjoying your experience. Time is simply something you experience. Knowing that helps you change how you experience your time because you can ask yourself the question, how do I want to experience my time? Do I want to be calm, relaxed, motivated, stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, mellow? How do I want to be as I experience time? You can deliberately create and manage your time and you can also be intentional about your experience as time passes. So here are seven tactics for you today. The first one is planning. A lot of us resist planning. We want to be free. We want to be spontaneous. Why bother planning? Things change anyways. There are too many variables to be able to plan. I want to just be able to take it as it comes. First in, first out. There's never enough time to plan. All those thoughts are very common. Many of us resist planning. We think it's not possible. But the more you plan, the more time you create for yourself. The more you plan, the more you'll be able to deliver to yourself the results that you want. The more you plan, the better able you will be to create the business that you want, to create the life you want. You'll be better able to enjoy your free time without worrying about what you've forgotten about or what's slipping through the cracks. The more you plan, the more you will be able to produce during the time that you've allocated for production. And the more you will feel in control of your day and your business. It can be especially hard to plan if you're beyond capacity. It can be especially hard to plan if you don't trust yourself to follow through. If you don't make plans, you can't set yourself up to be disappointed. Imagine how this works for exercise. If you have a training plan to run a half marathon, but you drop out on yourself for your workouts, it's going to be really hard to achieve the result of running a half marathon. You have the best intentions to do your training runs, but don't follow through on your plan. The issue isn't time, but rather honoring your commitment to yourself and having your own back. Or for example, if you set a meeting with me to get lunch, you'd show up. You wouldn't ghost or cancel at the last minute, or you wouldn't be a half hour late. You'd be respectful of my time. So often we respect other people's time more than we respect our own. It's just our survival brain wanting to avoid discomfort. 
the discomfort of a client whose stuff you don't want to work on, a return that you know is complicated, or phone calls that you're just not in the mood to make. Your brain is seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. That's what it's designed to do. So it tries to pull you away from doing the things that you don't want to do in favor of something that's more pleasurable. But your brain is pulling you away from the results that you're trying to create. In this episode, see if you can get your mind thinking, I can find ways to create time and tell your brain to go looking for seeking and gathering evidence to create that reality for you. Because if you believe there's never enough time, your brain will seek and gather evidence to create that reality for you that there's never enough time. So for this episode, I challenge you to focus on it being true that you can find ways to create time so that you then go and create time. All right, second tactic, make decisions. Decide and be done. Rather than wonder, research, wonder some more, investigate it, run it by some people, sleep on it, cogitate, percolate, and then wait until you have to decide. Your back's against the wall. Now you decide, and then you second guess, you change your mind, you reanalyze, and you redecide again. Making decisions can be especially tricky for people who are hard on themselves because if they know deep down inside that they're going to second guess themselves on the other side of the decision and wonder if they made the right choice or be critical of having made a choice that ended up being a mistake or had an undesired outcome, then of course they're going to avoid making the decision. They know what they're going to say to themselves on the other side of having made the decision. So it feels safer to avoid making the decision in an effort to avoid whatever future self-criticism might be experienced on the flip side, on the far side of the decision. When you know that you have your own back, no matter what happens, then decisions get easier and you can make them more quickly. And then you start getting your time back. So for example, if you've ever been lost in a city, you know that the only way to figure out which way to go is to make a decision. You make a decision either to find somebody and ask, Or you make a decision to drive a few blocks to help you gather information about where you are. It's in making progressive decisions that you figure out where you are and which way to go. Number three is to stop wondering. If you're wondering how to do something, start doing it. And you'll know pretty quickly whether or not it works. Wondering just keeps you wondering. If the answer isn't available in your mind after spending a few minutes looking around in there, you won't find it in there. You have to start doing it to figure it out. So much more often than not, you know how to do what you need to do. It's just the discomfort of not having the exact right answer and having everything figured out in advance that keeps you at a standstill. Start moving and you can tell if what you're doing is working by the results you're getting. I'm not talking about getting started and being busy doing things. I'm talking about producing results. When you focus on heading toward the result you want to create, rather than creating arbitrary action and being busy, but not getting the result. Stop wondering how you're going to get 10 tax returns done by Friday, 5 p.m. Instead, decide to get 10 tax returns done by Friday, 5 p.m. Plan your time, get going, and you will find out if you can, in fact, get 10 tax returns done by Friday, 5 p.m. And along the way, whether you get there or not, you will learn what you can do better or differently next week when you try again to get 10 tax returns done by Friday, 5 p.m. You practice achieving your desired result. You decide to figure it out. And that's how you figure it out and eventually do it. 
Stop wondering. Wondering is just something the brain loves to indulge in. All right, number four, constrain. Stop trying to do too many things at once. Pick one thing to focus on and get good at it. Get the result you want before moving on to the next thing, whether it's big or small. Avoid going one inch in a thousand directions. Pick your one thing to focus on in your business, in your accounting practice, and get really good at it, master it, before you move on to the next. Maybe you want to pick two things or three essentials that you're focusing on, but beyond three, it is more likely that you will simply spin and make much less progress than if you focus on fewer things at once. Number five, try things. Make mistakes and fail. I don't even like the words mistakes and failure because there's no such thing. There's only learning. Fear failing, screwing up, making mistakes, having to get it right the first time when we couldn't possibly know how because we've never done it before. All these perspectives on actions keep us paralyzed. But if we think of it as all just learning and nothing can possibly go wrong, then you just get moving. And the more attempts you make and the faster you make those attempts without spinning out in failure, the faster you will succeed. So listen, I had to run four marathons before I qualified for Boston. At Disney, 4.35 was not a qualifying time. New York City, 4.12, not a qualifying time. Philadelphia, 3.55, not a qualifying time. So I did it a fourth time, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 3.38, and I qualified. I never thought of any of those marathons as failures. I never thought of them as mistakes. And each one of them got me closer to eventually getting the result that I wanted. The more attempts you make and the faster you make your attempts, the faster you will get the results you want. If you use the word failure in your mind and you're afraid of failing, you will stop yourself in your tracks and you'll likely fail to get the result you want. So scrub the word failure from your vocabulary because you're robbing yourself when you think in terms of failure, you're robbing yourself of your own potential success. Number six, say no. It can be really hard for some people to say no. Many of you tell me you're a people pleaser, which you think is a fact, and you report it to me like it's the weather or the news. It's 10 degrees out. The Sabres beat the Bruins five to four in overtime. I'm five foot nine. I'm a people pleaser. When you say to yourself and other people that you're a people pleaser, you give your brain a command to go and be a people pleaser in order to create evidence for yourself to support your belief that you're a people pleaser. Really all that's happening in a moment of so-called people pleasing is that you are saying words or doing an action, and that is giving another person a circumstance. If we go back to the self-coaching model, which is episode 193, go back and have a listen if you haven't heard that one before. You're saying words or doing an action that gives another person a circumstance. And that person has a thought about the circumstance. And they may have a negative thought about that circumstance and a negative feeling, and then they express that negative feeling out loud. So words come out of your mouth. It creates a circumstance for them. They have a negative thought, perhaps a negative emotion, and then their actions are emotions spoken out loud. That's all that's happening. So if you're doing people pleasing, you're giving away what you want in your business because you prefer to avoid the experience of 30 seconds of a person expressing their emotions out loud. That's what's happening. But other people's emotions expressed out loud is no big deal. You can hang out for 30 seconds while a person experiences a negative thought, feels a negative emotion, and expresses it out loud. 
So ask yourself if you're giving away the business that you want to create because you're unwilling to hang out for 30 seconds while somebody has a negative emotion out loud. And a couple things about saying no. When you say no, you don't have to explain why you're saying no. You don't have to justify why you're saying no. You don't have to make excuses. And of course, don't lie. When you're saying no, you say no so that you can say yes to all the other things that you have decided are important to you. Yes to your dreams, yes to the accounting practice that you want to have, yes to the revenue that you want to have, yes to the hours in a work week that you want to have, yes to your life, your time, your family, your health, and your accounting practice the way that you want it to be. Last one here, number seven, stop being and saying you're busy. Busy in your thoughts leads to lack of focus. Busy in your actions leads to multitasking, which is slower in the end than doing things serially, and it's more error prone. Busy belief self-perpetuates, just like wondering keeps you wondering and stuck there, just like thinking about potential failure focuses the mind on failure, thereby blocking solutions and preventing success and leading to failure to get results, busy focuses the mind on busy and it perpetuates busy. We have a lot of cultural support for busy. I've noticed this a bunch, especially recently. So if you have been a longtime podcast listener, you know that I love skiing and I go as often as I can. And I often ski solo. And so I ride the lift as a single. And it's so fun to yell single and have somebody be like me. (laughs) I love riding single. I talk to random people. I have the most interesting conversations. And oftentimes... In random conversation, you have, you know, eight minutes to have a random conversation with a stranger who you will never see again. People ask, what do you do? And I'll say, typically, I'm a consultant just because that's the simplest answer. And the response so often is, oh, that's great. Are you busy? And I'm like, no, I'm skiing. The point is to be not busy. And I, I don't say that because we're having a regular conversation. So I just keep the conversation going. But it's really struck me how often I've been asked the question, are you busy as if it's a really good thing? And I think I get where it's coming from that the perception that busy means busy working and work creates money. But money comes from value. Money doesn't come from being busy. In fact, being busy usually prevents money from coming in. And remember, the point is to be not busy. The point is to create value so that you can be not busy and you can go do other things with your life and your one very short trip through space. You can create time and you create time with your mind by what you choose to think and what you decide to no longer think. So those seven ways to create time in your day once again. Number one, plan your time. Number two, make your decisions and stick to them and stay out of second guessing and reanalyzing and reevaluating. Number three, stop wondering. Number four, constrain. Pick one thing to focus on. Number five, try things. Try lots of things. None of them are failures. It's all learning. Number six, say no. And stop saying and believing that you're a people pleaser. And number seven, stop thinking busy and stop being busy. And start saying, I am creating time. Now, go forth and create time so you can work a 40-hour work week. And let's make it the norm in the accounting space to end overworking. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, remember... 
If you want to get out of the endless cycle of busy, check out Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind so that you can stop working like mad to compensate for being underpriced. Go to GeraldineCarter.com for more. Have an amazing week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.